The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The teachings of the Ascended Masters are universal and available to all. The Ascended Masters themselves are the saints and sages of East and West, and their teachings incorporate the original core beliefs of all the world's major religions. No matter which religious path you follow, you will find these teachings equally compelling. This is The Open Door. Come along with us as we explore the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Here are the hosts for The Open Door, Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. And greetings, everyone. Welcome, and thank you once again for joining us today. You are tuned to The Open Door, the Internet voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters. I'm Tom Schumacher. And I'm Terry Kennedy. And our focus today, Tom, is on becoming the Christ. That's right. Today we are returning to one of our most popular themes, the idea that Jesus came to demonstrate the path of Christhood as the rule rather than the exception. We know that a lot of people hear this concept Mm -hmm. and kind of shake their heads as if to say, really? Yeah, and we respond, really? (laughs) You, me, all of us, we are truly meant to become the Christ. In no uncertain terms, Mm -hmm. without exception, each of us who chooses has the capability to become the Christ as Jesus demonstrated. Yeah, and you know, before anyone accuses, accuses us of being consumed by pride, let us point out that this is what we believe Jesus came to show to mankind. He said... The works that I do shall ye do also, and greater things. Straight from God the Father, Jesus came bearing a message of hope, of love, and freedom from the limitations of the human condition. He was telling us that all have this awesome potential, and that the only one stopping us from embracing this incredible reality is us. He knew (laughs) that we had been laboring for eons in a darkness that prevented us from seeing the truth of our divine birthright, our divine inheritance as co-creators with God. Yeah, and he knew too, that the deck was stacked against us by erroneous doctrine and dogma, by church leaders who had a vested interest in keeping us in the dark, under control, and as far from the truth as possible. And who's really behind this nefarious scheme? Uh, (laughs) Some fallen angels in the mix, I'll bet. (laughs) Without a doubt. (laughs) They're not only devious, but we can be certain that because they are extremely jealous of the light that we possess, they are bent on doing everything they can to deprive us of it and keep us ignorant of our true heritage. Truth is, they want nothing short of our destruction, and we must never assume that they have any desire whatsoever to be reasonable with us or play nice. Yeah, and they can be very persuasive. Oh, they're they're good all right. Just look at what they've managed to accomplish so far. Yeah, which could explain why the reality of our personal Christhood is not something we have heard in our churches or synagogues. Nope, not from our pastors, priests, or rabbis, mm-hmm. nor from our teachers. It's sad, really, that so few have taken Jesus at his word, like the quote you mentioned a moment ago. Yeah, in John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus says, The works that I do shall ye do also in greater things. We've posed this question before, and let's do it again. What do you suppose Jesus meant by this statement? 
Well, I think it's plain that he was telling us in no uncertain terms that we have the same potential to become the Christ as he demonstrated. Yeah, and why do you suppose we keep bringing it up? (laughs) Yeah, well, because every day that we are not striving toward the goal of becoming the Christ, we are actually missing a golden opportunity to truly advance on the spiritual path. And move ever closer to the moment of our ascension. Again, this is why we're here. Mm -hmm. As the ascended masters constantly stress, this, our ascension, is the ultimate goal of life. And and please understand that we're not telling you or anyone that your own spiritual path is wrong if it doesn't include the concept of personal Christhood. After all, the Ascended Master's teachings, as we often emphasize, honor the core beliefs of all the majors, all the world's major religions. Yeah, and we strive to embrace rather than exclude. But it's also true that we are quite adamant about revealing those things that have been withheld from those who follow modern orthodox dogma. Yeah, and probably done with the best of intentions but still done at the expense of your own spiritual liberation. When you finally come to the place where you can fit the concept of personal Christhood or Buddhahood, if you prefer, into your daily spiritual awareness and practice, you will have taken a giant leap closer to the heart of God. Yeah, and that's really the main point we want to drive home. This is our essential self we're talking about. The Ascended Master's teachings are all about transforming our lives, graduating with honors from Earth's very challenging schoolroom, and returning home at last to the heart of God. And it's just unfortunate that so many people will fight and resist this idea simply because it's not what they've been taught. (laughs) You know, Terry, there's a saying I remember hearing in the 60s or 70s. (laughs) It's probably God's mercy. I don't remember more than from those wonderfully chaotic decades. But anyway, the saying goes something like this. Argue for your limitations, and sure enough, they're yours. It's a pretty basic psychological concept, really. We can make whatever we believe real in our lives by the power of that belief. Agreed. Uh, Belief is a powerful thing. Best used wisely rather than blindly. I I remember, and I'll bet you do too, when I first became aware of this idea of personal Christhood, there was definitely resistance. I was raised Catholic. You know, I even attended a Catholic seminary. And all I thought I knew was that Jesus was the Christ, the only Son of God. That he was something uh, none of the rest of us were. Exactly. That he was the exception, not the rule. So here I am confronted with this wild notion that Christ was supposed to be something we could all realize. My first inclination was to dismiss it, to argue that only pride could lead anyone to believe this idea of personal Christhood. You were arguing, Tom, for your limitations. <laughs> and I'm sure glad I lost the argument. <laughs> uh, you know, but it wasn't easy. My, life's, my beliefs were deeply embedded and supported by those I grew up with and who, those I were trusting, parents, teachers, priests. And that's a formidable lineup. (laughs) You're not kidding. Uh, But when the reality of personal Christhood finally took hold in my consciousness, I felt as if someone had just given me the keys to the doors of my own prison. All the lights came on, and I felt suddenly free. So many things that I knew in my heart suddenly made sense in my head. It all just came together in a flash. Well, how about you, Terry? Well, for me, Tom, it was an answer to a question my soul had had for years, having Having grown up in the Episcopal Church, I knew I, I knew I didn't want to become a priest or I didn't want to become a minister, but I did want, at some level of my being, to develop my spiritual side. So the teachings of the Ascended Masters have actually allowed me to walk the path of personal Christhood and become a relatively holy person in my <laughs> lifestyle, <laughs> uh, day in and day out. And like you, Tom, I, <laughs> I knew in that moment of finding the teachings and the knowledge of my own Christhood, that there was no turning back. And, Terry, I want to say that you are indeed a holy person. I I truly mean that. Um, There are so many reasons why this knowledge is important, but we believe that there's one in particular that stands out. We are each destined to become one with our Christ selves, and in so doing, as the Ascended Masters have done all this, you know, who have done all this that, that they teach, 
we take a giant leap toward our ascension. Again, this is what we're all here to do, ascend. It's the ultimate goal of life. And though this knowledge may have been withheld from you until now, here it is laid out plain. With a (laughs) personal invitation to take this information and follow it wherever it leads, because it's an essential part of your spiritual journey. And you probably already know it. (laughs) Otherwise, you wouldn't have chosen to listen today. (laughs) Yeah, you hear us say it all the time. There are no accidents. You are here for a reason, one that your soul has been eager for you to know. And maybe the knowledge of your own, very own personal Christ self is something that you find easy, you'll find easy to grasp and accept. Yeah, hopefully you'll find it easy, you know, all the more reason to appreciate whatever and whoever it was who brought you here. So, pat yourself on the back yep. and your soul too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your spiritual journey just got a little more exciting. I'd like to point out once again, the Ascended Masters have given us a tremendous set of tools that we can all use as we travel the spiritual path. Uh, the science of the spoken word, yep. decrees, for example. Uh, knowledge of the use of the violet flame, comprehensive teachings on karma, mm-hmm. reincarnation, cosmic law, twin flames and soulmates. I love that one. Mm-hmm. Angels, our Christ self, and I am presence. Yeah, all of these teachings and so much more are available to everyone through the Keepers of the Flame lessons now online. And signing up is easy. All you have to do is just go to tsl.org slash keepers. And in seconds, you could be exploring a whole new world of practical Ascended Master teachings. That's tsl.org slash keepers. So what's next, Tom? Well, I think it's time we heard that special segment you prepare for us each week, Terry. And what is it today? Well, this is a short piece titled, What is the Christ? Hmm. Hope you enjoy it. What is the Christ? You have a Christ self. I have a Christ self. (coughs) But we're not used to identifying anyone but Jesus as the Christ. What many people don't know is that Christ comes from the Greek word Christos, which means anointed. Jesus was called Christ because he became one with his Christ self, and so was anointed with the light of God, the I Am Presence. Each one of us can also become one with our Christ self. Many of us think that only Jesus can be the Christ because Christianity tells us that Jesus is God's only Son. This idea originated with a misunderstanding of the Gospel of John, specifically the first chapter of John, which describes the Word of God. John 1.14 tells us, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In one view, this sentence is telling us that Jesus is the Word, God's only Son, But those of John's readers who understood the Greek concept of the word, the Logos, would have gotten a different meaning. Both Greek philosophers and Jewish mystics use the word Logos to refer to the part of God that acts in the world and mediates between Creator and creation. The word is, in a sense, God's Son because it acts as the instrument of the Creator. When people read that the word was made flesh and lived among us, they naturally conclude that Jesus is the word. But what they don't realize is that when John said the Word had taken flesh, he didn't mean that Jesus was God's only Son. He meant that the Word, God's only Son, had manifested in the flesh of Jesus. The author of John was certainly familiar with the Jewish mystical idea that great human beings could act as personifications of the Logos, or the Son. So when John writes that Jesus is the Logos, he doesn't mean to exclude us from also becoming one with the Logos. He is simply telling us that Jesus, the man, became one with the Logos, the only Son. Jesus was the incarnation of the Word, but that doesn't mean He was the only incarnation. 
The only Son is the universal Christ, which is individualized for each of us as the Christ Self. Everyone who becomes one with the Christ Self can be called the Christ, and the Christ is always the one who is anointed with the light of the I Am Presence. As John wrote, That was the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Some early Christians believed that everyone is destined to become one with the Logos. Clement of Alexandria, a second-century church father, tells us that each man has the image of the word, Logos, within him. Paul reminded us that it is the destiny of every Christian to become the Son. In Romans, he writes that God intended Christians to become true images of His Son, the Word, so that His Son, Jesus, might be the eldest of many brothers. In other words, we are meant to become the Word, Logos, or Christ's Self, as Jesus did. Ah, Thank you, Terry. You're welcome. When we return, we will hear a special interview with Elizabeth Clare Prophet on the subject of the Christ Self, what we mean by the Word of God, Jesus' mission, and more. Don't go away. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better. No matter where you are or who you're with, the power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home, and their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. So, what did Jesus actually mean when he said that we could do the works that he did? Are we meant to take his words literally? And did Jesus use decrees? Let's find out. The power of the Lord's Spirit is intended for you and for me as joint heirs of the real self whom Jesus proved, and he called that self the Christ. 
And because people have not understood the multiplication of the Lord's body, as he said, this is my body which was broken for you, they have said there is only one Christ, one Son of God. This is true in eternity, but in time and space, that sacred trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit becomes the spark, the threefold spark, that burns upon the altar of our hearts. And this energy, this God, this flame, this consuming fire becomes the foundation of the science of the spoken word. And we find that in that consciousness of Christ, we can prove the laws that he proved as he intended that we should do. How do we know he intended it? It's very interesting. He said, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto the Father. To me the promise is unmistakable, and yet it is considered blasphemy for anyone on earth today to make himself equal with Christ, let alone greater than Christ. It is my understanding that Jesus came to set the example for the incarnation of the word. I believe that if we accept him as the word, that he releases this flame, ignites the flame within us, and we individually experience the second coming, and we are born again because he is one with the Father. And because we now experience that same word, that same anointing that he knew. As we walk with him hand in hand, the fire of our heart, the fire of his heart, can work his works. And by his grace and only by his grace, we together can do those greater things. Let us consider then this action of the word by which he performed all works and by which he bid us to go and do likewise. It is written that Christ cast out spirits with his word. Jesus had tremendous power in his word, and he derived that power from the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He drew it forth from his heart's center. Catholics have long referred to the sacred heart of Jesus or the sacred heart of Mary. The heart is the heart chakra, It is known by Hindus. It is known by all who meditate to be the center of that burning. It is a burning energy. It is the burning love of God that the disciples knew when they met their Lord on the road to Emmaus. Did our hearts not burn within us? In the chamber of the heart is an altar, and our own real self presides at that altar as the priest, the minister, the rabbi, And in our soul, we can kneel before that altar. We can find the cathedral of the heart as a place of the Holy of Holies. That word of God is power. Paul said, Christ, upholding all things by the word of his power. Jesus walked on the water by the science of the spoken word. He stilled the tempest. He said, peace, be still." And the waters were stilled. I don't think that we should consider that the age of miracles is past. 
but that the age of miracles is fulfilled in science. We should consider that Jesus was the greatest nuclear physicist, the greatest alchemist that we have known in our recorded history. He mastered all energies, all flow of life forces. He mastered time and space. He ascended into that white cloud, the white fire core of the atom of his own self. Hence, we call him an ascended master, and we call all who have done the same ascended masters. We say that because he commanded us to do likewise, and because he said before Abraham was, I am, that there have been many sons and daughters who have proved that oneness with God, mastered time and space, both before and after the advent of Jesus. It is written that Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. I believe that that is another record of one who ascended through that mastery of time and space. And Elijah was caught up into a chariot of fire, and we have the assumption of Mary, the mother, and even John, the revelator of his ascension. All of this by the power of the word. Paul said that Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. The washing of water by the word is an amazing concept if you meditate upon that in your own heart sitting under your own vine and fig tree, under your own source of communion with God. First of all, the church always figures as the bride of Christ. And we are told that we are the temple of the living God, and therefore we can consider ourselves to be the church. Christ loves us because we are really the church. Organizations, temples made with hands, doctrine and dogma, these are not the church. The church is only alive when people are living kindled flames. The church is a white cube. It's the philosopher's stone. The church is consciousness. The washing of the water by the word to me means an alchemical action whereby the waters of our consciousness are cleansed as we invoke the word and as we, through the word, invoke the sacred fire. That sacred fire is a baptism which we are all waiting for if we remember the words of John the Baptist. He said, One cometh after me, whose shoes I am not worthy to unlatch. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Always returning to that fire, fire over and over again. It is a sacred fire, a cleansing fire. It's the fire in the core of the atom. It is energy. That energy is God. God didn't walk into the office of a scientist, of Edison, or anyone else. He let man meditate upon the lightning for thousands of years until someone decided to capture the energy, harness it, and use it. Could it be that he expects us to do the same? to experiment with that fire that is God, and in a spiritual way harness it and do those greater works which Christ promised. I am looking for the washing, the washing of the waters by the word. 
Again, it is written of the two witnesses in the book of Revelation that fire proceedeth out of their mouth. Not out of their hands, their head, or their stomach, or their feet, but out of their mouth. It's a clue to me because I have a hypothesis that I'm about to prove. It means that the fire that proceeds out of their mouth, it says it devours their enemies. To me, it is an action of the sacred fire and of the word which they have mastered. Isaiah said of Christ, he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. And when we read of the faithful and true in the book of Revelation, his name is the word of God, and his outstanding feature is that out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. What is this sword? You even look at the word, it has S and then word, sword. Maybe it's an abbreviation for sacred word. It's coming out of the throat center, which the Hindus long ago acknowledged as the power center. And through the use of mantras over thousands of years, the intoning of the word, the name of God, has been the basic form of meditation of yogis. Could it be that in India, their teaching and their understanding has come to us from the long-lost continent of Lemuria? James Churchward writes a number of books called The Lost Continent of Mu. He found tablets in a monastery in India which the priest had guarded for thousands and thousands of years, which had been brought to them from beyond their shores. The priest knew the interpretation of these tablets of stone. Churchward became a disciple in this monastery, and he was the only man, as far as he knows, that was given the key to these tablets. So he deciphered them, and he has four or five books of his decipherings. But there is a description of Lemuria, of the temples, and there are stones that have been found in Mexico that have the same hieroglyphs. They speak of four cosmic forces, and we have in our scriptures the four beasts that were on the four sides of the Ancient of Days in Revelation. These four forces and the release and the science of the spoken word were discovered on these tablets. Perhaps the thousands of years of mantra are a tradition that came to India from that very place. Now the use of this science, after all of our investigations, after all of our consideration of scriptures, cannot be proven until we try it. In the trying of the use of the word, only then can we experience in our own laboratory to me, a laboratory and a cathedral, a church, they're one and the same. They're the place where we go to meet our God and to commune with him and to discover the secrets of our soul's evolution and of the cosmos itself. Ah, oh, that was soul-stirring. Yes. Up next, our weekly Q&A, and today, once again, we are joined by Reverend Sidney Bennett. Please stay with us. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. 
And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better. No matter where you are or who you're with, the power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home. And their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. And we are back. And joining us once again is our good friend and regular contributor, Sidney Bennett. Hi, Sid. Good to be here. Hi, Sid. I'm glad you're here, too. Now, today's topic, personal Christhood, must by now be quite familiar to our audience. Certainly, this is not our first show on this subject, but we feel compelled to revisit it because it is so important. Would you agree that this concept is really foundational for anyone's spiritual path and eventual ascension? Well, of course I would. You know, I, <laughs> that was a meatball, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. You know, I think this it, this is a game changer. Yeah. It changes the way we look at life. It changes the way we think about ourselves and the way we think about other people. And it gives us a perspective of who we are, where we're from, and where we're going. There is a purpose to life. You know, the some people believe we're evolved pond scum. You know, that's about <laughs> yeah. it. And so we might as well do what we want, enjoy ourselves. Mm-hmm. Another group, you know, uh, traditional orthodoxy feels we're, we're, you know, beset by original sin. And so we almost walk around with this condemnation around us. Yeah. This is such a dynamic and powerful teaching. God has placed his son, the Christ, within each one of us. And even as Jesus became one with that son, so we can become with that son, one with that son. It doesn't mean we perfect a human, but it means we put on our Christhood. There's a way to do this. There's a path. There's a process. And this is what Jesus taught. But it changes how we live our lives. Oh, boy. <laughs> what, what distinction, uh, Sid, should we make, if any, between Christhood and Buddhahood? Well, there are many paths up the mountain. We know that. The, the path of the Buddha is you know, works from the crown chakra, the wisdom ray. Mm-hmm. The path of the Christ works from the heart chakra. And, you know, how, they're the same and yet different. Uh, and yet at the same time, as we shared before, all must come through Jesus, whether they're Buddhist or Hindu mm-hmm. or Christian or anyone else, as the key to their own spiritual path. So, so, so do you need to... You need to become Christ-like before you can become Buddha-like. I mean, is the first step? Or? I don't think that's necessarily Not true, necessarily. but it's you know, it's it's a different path, and yet it's the same path. And I know that sounds contradictory, but mm-hmm. it's kind of a Zen teaching and understanding yeah. that people do pursue God in different ways, and but ultimately we all come to God through Jesus and through the Christ or our Holy Christ Self. Yeah, yeah, very Zen. Like I used to have a bumper sticker on my car that said, "Clap one hand if you love Buddha." <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, you know, this idea of personal Christhood is, as we've pointed out numerous times, a somewhat thorny issue in the West. How do we reconcile this concept of personal Christhood in light of what we may have learned in our churches and synagogues? Well, of course, the, the Orthodox teaching has been around almost 2,000 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people become very identified with it. It's part of tradition, part of history. Their forefathers, their parents, you know, their, their priests, the, the, the rabbis, the ministers, so forth, uh, you know, have told them this thing. And so it becomes a part of their identity. And they also heard it many lifetimes. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 it's something that's there. And I think we reach a point where we realize there is something more and we develop an openness or an understanding. God, yep. there's got to be something more to this. And so when we realize it's not blasphemy to consider that God has placed a portion of himself within us and we have the same potential, that doesn't mean we have the same attainment as Jesus. I mean, the stars in heaven differ in glory, I think it says in Genesis. Yes. And so we want to equate that. You don't suddenly become the same as Jesus when you put on your Christhood, but it's the beginning of your growth in the Christhood. And, of course, Jesus has been doing that for thousands of years. So I think he'll always be our elder brother, to be honest with you. But I think mm-hmm. this is the path that he wanted us to follow and show that we could do it. And just think of the burden upon Jesus of his mission being misinterpreted. <laughs> you know, what, what a loss for him. And so we can honor him and honor all that he has done by following his path. Mm-hmm. Well, again, what, what do you think it is that's behind the attempts over the last 2,000 years to preempt and veil the concept of, of mm-hmm. our personal Christ potential? You know, at, at, at some point when Christianity was adapted, excuse me, adopted by the Roman Empire, it suddenly became the thing to do. And of course, where there is power, we know that the fallen angels gravitate. And so they took this magnificent teaching and molded it the way they wanted it. And so they took out the essentials of the path of personal Christhood and said, Jesus is the exception. We have to worship him. And only through him can we get to heaven. And so this has been self-perpetuating. And what it has done, it has held people back because they haven't known the truth. They haven't acted. And if they'd mm-hmm. known the truth, they would have done better. And so, of course, there is great control of the people. You yeah. know, you can only come through the church. Yeah. And so this is a pretty powerful tool that they have used. And some people have taken it up innocently. Not every person that preaches this doctrine is a fallen angel. Oh, yeah. They course. believe it sincerely. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, there is a, there is a certain simplicity to it. But unfortunately, it's just not true. And so those that think all they have to do is confess Jesus and they're going to be in heaven, when they get there, it's a very rude awakening. And people get very angry. They find out they haven't been given the truth. No kidding. I mean, I remember feeling that myself a bit. Um, and, you know, speaking of that kind of um, anger, I know that um, people that I've known personally have responded to me when I've mentioned this concept with anger. Sure. You know, they've just said, basically accusing me of being pride, prideful and um, certainly not in possession of my, <laughs> my faculties. <laughs> How could I possibly equate myself with the Christ, but yet that is indeed what we're saying. Well, I think people too, they get the concept that somehow it's disrespectful to God or it is yeah. indeed blasphemous to somehow think you're equal to God. But in fact, what God has placed a portion of himself within us. So how could God place a portion of himself within us and then us not have God and be and with the goal to become and one with that God presence? So it's not really yeah. blasphemy, but I understand how people react because again, they've been taught this for so long um, that it's hard for them to shift. And I think for me, when I started my personal search, I had a little openness and said, okay, God, you know, I know I love the Christian church. I grew up in it, but it's not enough for me. I know there's more. Yeah. And so if you have that openness and you have an understanding of it, you can study these teachings a little bit, not just accept it because we're saying it, but study the, the, the detailed teachings that, that give us this insight and understanding. 
it really does make so much sense. Yeah, I remember my uh, my mother um, asking me why I was leaving the seminary, you know, way back when, and I said, "Well, I think that my God is bigger than the church." And I, she was prepared for a long conversation. That kind of stopped it <laughs> right there. You know. uh, but anyway, um, so I think we know what we're up against. And I know, too, that people who have a, a vested interest in holding on to a belief, that sometimes the longer they've held it, the harder it is to let them have them let go of it. Well, it's human psychology, yeah. isn't it? It's tradition, you know, and, yeah. and, and people live with tradition whether, you know, it's grounded in fact or not. And so, but this is the age of Aquarius, and people are much more open. They know there's got to be something more than what we've been taught. And and that's the exciting thing about this is that people are open to it and they are willing to consider it and look at it um, as their own path. Well, you know, in, in face in the face of a lack of comprehension, you know, or stiff opposition, possibly even angry and violent resistance to this idea of personal Christhood, do we keep silent? Well, I, you know, I think it's we, we're respectful of yeah. people. We, you know, we want people to respect our beliefs, and so we certainly respect others. But I think at the same time, what we try and do is make these teachings available to those that are interested in them and that mm-hmm. have a very specific interest and know there's more out there. Yeah. And we don't want to disturb people that are very happy where they're at, but those that are looking for the truth, it's out there if you'll seek it. And um, it's really our obligation to share it because I can tell you, People that have this knowledge, it changes their lives. And people can, you know, make their ascension with something they've never even considered as being a remote possibility when they have the understanding and the tools that we've been given. Yeah, you know, one one quick little postscript, and I know this is something we talked about the last time we talked on this subject, was that people who did espouse these beliefs were often, they they paid a dear price. Well, they do. They lost opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that there aren't Christians that can't make their ascension out of pure love, but it's very difficult because you don't have the violet flame and um, they don't have the understanding. And yet there are wonderful, precious people of God in the Christian churches today that are sincere and full of the love of Jesus. But you need that extra increment, you know, which is the violet flame and an understanding of karma and reincarnation to get get there. Yeah, to get over the hump, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, in this vein, the Ascended Masters have taught us that we should never challenge another's uh, beliefs unbidden. Yeah. If they ask, of course, we're free to share you know, what we know. But we should be careful not to volunteer this knowledge. Um, I mean, who can know the path that God has laid out for each soul? Are, are you saying that? Well, already? again, that goes back to respecting people where they're at. It's just we want to be respected. Yeah. But I think you need to be attuned to who you share this with. You know, we have little pocket-sized charts of the presence that we mm-hmm. carry around. And I always try to be sensitive that God wants me to give one to somebody. And I don't just go hand them out at random. <laughs> but I can tell yeah. you the number of times I've sat on an airplane and ended up getting a conversation with someone mm-hmm. that I, you know, I felt a prompting just to give this person this chart. I mean, that's not offensive. And people are very appreciative, you know. Oh, yeah. And, and so, you know, sometimes the people you think are ready for the teachings are not, and the ones you don't think are ready are the ones that really should get it. That's so, right. So you have to have discernment, again, about who you share this with. And people are interested, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the key. Yeah. It's the answer to all we've been looking for. And their soul knows it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it would seem prudent um, that we refrain from preaching, obviously, and inspire by example. Um, you have any tips on how we can do this without making karma with people? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good karma to share the teachings. Well, I mean, um, in terms of getting them up in arms, maybe. Well, I think, again, it's, it's just common sense, yeah. you know. Uh, we're not imposing what we believe on other people. We just want to make it available for those that are ready and for people that are willing to open their minds and think a little differently and explore something. You know, yeah. you don't have to accept something 100% the first time you hear it, but if it sounds like it's got value, pursue it. Try it Study on. it. Yeah. Look, it's like Mrs. Prophet said, experimenting with the science of the spoken word. That's what changed my life when I tried it. 
Uh, what's the risk, you know? And so, again, it's being willing to take the next step. You don't have to embrace everything all at once, but take the next step and see if this something has value in your life. It can change your life. It can help your family and change the planet, too, as well. And so try it. Yeah, and you yeah. won't lose yourself in it. You'll find yourself in it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Good point. What is the Ascended Master prescription for, quote, unquote, putting on <laughs> the Christ and and when you do put on the Christ, what does it actually displace or replace? Well, I think this is a, a concept we have to think about. You know, we don't perfect the human. We know that. And so our Christ consciousness, our Christ self, must, as we put it on, we put it on in increments. It's mm-hmm. not all at once. We don't suddenly become the Christ, but we incrementally become the Christ. And what happens is the Christ consciousness, as it comes into our being and our, and our world, displaces what Paul called the carnal mind or the human creation mm. that we've made that kind of mm-hmm. is a miasma around us that, you know, is something that's, that because we have the creative power of God within us, we have created something that's part of us that is not ultimately God. And so we displace that with our Christ self. We don't lose the essentials of our identity. We don't suddenly become, you know, a Christic robot or something without personality <laughs> or light or love or who we are. Uh-huh. We're unique in God. And what the Christ self does, it brings it forth, enhances it, solidifies it as we are on our path of our ascension. So I know we're running a little short on time here. Maybe we'll come back to this. But it's a process. It's a process. Yeah, and I think we we know the collective consciousness of the carnal mind is what we call the dweller on the threshold. Right, which is, we should talk about that. Another show. Yeah, for sure. Well, we've got to take a break right here. Uh, So please don't go away. Uh, When we return, we'll continue our discussion of personal Christhood and related topics with Sidney Bennett. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better, no matter where you are or who you're with. The power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home. And their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. 
This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. And thank you. We're back once again for more discussion with Sidney Bennett on the subject of our birthright as Christed beings. Now, let's talk a bit more about the carnal mind and the dweller and the threshold. We were just uh, kind of broaching that subject at the end of last segment. Sure. You know, Paul says, I die daily. And that's an interesting thing to say. Because what does it mean, I die daily? I don't think he's referring to our physical death. Not getting older. Yeah, although we do, I guess. <laughs> but I think what he's referring to, he's dying into his carnal mind. Mm-hmm. In other words, there's a portion of his dweller mind that dies daily, and that is replaced by the Christic consciousness. We put on the Christ as we discard the old and the human. Well, how do you do that? It sounds like a nice thing to do. Yeah. Well, you work on yourself, not perfecting the human, but allowing the Christ to come into your temple. And to do that, you have to displace this human conscious or carnal mind. And what the masters have a term, which I think is pretty interesting to describe this, they call it the dweller on the threshold. And think of the Loch Ness Monster, if you will, as an example. You know, every once in a while, Bessie pokes her head out of the water and <laughs> yeah. so forth. Well, the dweller on the threshold is just before the level of our conscious, below the conscious level. And once in a while, it erupts. It could erupt as anger, uh, an unkind word, an unkind deed, sarcasm. I mean, all the things that we know are not the way we should be. And so when those things come out, we need to recognize them because they're momentums that we've created in our psyche, in our world. Mm -hmm. And so just like any other habit, you know, it needs to be displaced by something and stop the momentum. And so we work at ridding ourselves of some of these patterns, and, and there are ways to do that. If you have anger problem, you can get counseling. We have our prayers and our calls. And you do ask for the Christic consciousness to replace that in your world that can't be there when become the Christ. And so it, it's it's a it's an interesting concept again, we're not perfecting something, we're displacing it by the Christ consciousness. And we end up being more loving, more creative, more of an individual, more of all that God has planned for us as we do this. And you see this in the path of the saints. They put on more of God, and that is the goal. And as we put on more of God, we're also balancing our karma and working to our ascension. Now, I just want to clarify one thing here, if I may, and that is you can become the Christ before you ascend because Jesus did it. Sure. But it doesn't always happen. That's our goal, certainly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we need Christ at once walking this earth. The planet <laughs> needs them. Yeah. And so that's a goal. But also the ascension is the ultimate reunion with your I am presence and your holy Christ self. You all become one. Yeah, no, you just mentioned karma again, and I know we talk about that quite a bit. But one of the ways in which we can put on the Christ is recognizing that we have a daily increment of karma coming to us. Sure. You know, so that we, we, we have methods and means of dealing with that. Well, you know, uh, it says in the Bible, you know, uh, Jesus learned obedience by his suffering. I mean, think of that. Yeah. that that's an amazing concept. Yeah. If this was a perfect soul from heaven, why did he need to learn obedience? Mm. So we learn mm. obedience through our mm. suffering, too, and through our mistakes, and we correct ourselves. So it's not a passive path of just saying, God, take over, although that's part of it. We have to work through these things, and it manifests as karma. Karma teaches us. It's an impersonal law, and we use the violet flame and other things to help mitigate that because it because it is impersonal and it can come back all of a sudden. This is why people suddenly leave embodiment or these things happen. Through the use of the violet flame, you can mitigate that karma, but God still allows us certain things to come to us because if we need to learn a lesson 
or sure. gain an understanding. And we do that through suffering. I mean, let's face it. How much do we learn through the pain that we go through? And the hmm. masters have said that pain is the portal to bliss because it will free us from our human consciousness and allow us to surrender to the point where we can ask God to fill that void with his Christ consciousness. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and, and we were talking about having been an entertainer, a nightclub entertainer, I I think of the carnal mind as this as this garment that you wear sometimes. You're developing a persona or a, a personality. Like an alter ego? Like an alter <laughs> ego that really isn't you, but yet you... Th- you think it is, and, and you spend 15 or 20 or 30 years or how, how many ever long with that and wearing that garment, and then all of a sudden you learn about these teachings of the Ascended Masters and, and Christhood, and it and so that's what I see as a displacement. Is a little, sure. a little by little, it yeah. begins to displace who you thought you were standing on stage taking all the... And, All the applause and saying, well, I did this. Yeah. It's something you want and desire, and so you work at it. You know, the, the dwelling on the threshold is the sorcerer's apprentice. God didn't create it. We created it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so with God's help, we have to uncreate it, so to speak. Every job um, And this is the path. This is the path of personal Christhood. Mm-hmm. And it's work, and it's striving. And if you yeah. read the lives of the saints, even though they didn't call it this, this is what they went through. You yeah. know, they felt very humble before God because what happens is the further you get on the spiritual path, the so-called imperfections in our world look even bigger than they did before. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's a part of the path. Nothing to be afraid of. We're not going to lose our identity. We're going to gain it. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, um, speaking in terms of the passing of ages here, uh, as I'm sure most people know, we've entered the age of Aquarius. Now, is this indeed a time when the concept of our individual Christ consciousness and personal Christ potential will begin truly dawning in the minds and hearts of mankind? Well, it's happened already, I think. Um, people know there's more, and there are cycles in history and cosmic history, and the door is open. Forgive me for that again. Oh, thank but you. It, but it's true. <laughs> plug. Uh, the door is open now in terms of people's... Um, willingness to accept new ideas and have them come forth. And so it becomes a very exciting process to realize there is more to life. We haven't not taking any away from Jesus or anything he has done or who he is um, in cosmos, but is saying, yes, this is the way he wanted us to, to follow and to go. And it, it is so exciting. I mean, it is so exciting. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> there's obviously great power inherent in our realization of our Christ potential. So how do we handle this realization, and how do we keep it from spiraling off into idolatry and fanaticism? <laughs> well, you understand it is God. Yeah. yeah, It's not your human consciousness, it's God. And so, if anything, it brings us to a state of abject humility, realizing how much of this is grace. God has mm. given us a portion of himself, and he has given us free will. And sometimes we've misused this free will, not just in this lifetime, but in many others as well. Mm-hmm. But God is patient, and he, now he's given the opportunity for us to choose. Choose this day whom you will serve. Some people choose to serve their dwelling or their threshold, their mm-hmm. carnal mind. That's what the fallen angels have done. They want to embody that. They want to be the evil. They've made their choice. God is saying, I have a portion of myself in you. If you choose, we can become one. And it's, you know, it's eternal life. Our souls are not eternal. Our soul is not eternal to become one with our I am presence. And so this is the choice we have to make. And believe me, it's humbling when you realize <laughs> that it is all by grace. And yes, we do our part, but it is the gift of God. And if we get into pride or idolatry or think we're such hot stuff, 
you know, yeah. I can tell you, we're not going very far in the path. Yeah, well, no, we been there, done that. <laughs> you know, I think you mentioned something um, back in the previous segment about how um, there might be a tendency on people's parts to become a bit angry, the fact that they've had this knowledge withheld from them. And I know from my own personal experience, and the masters teach it quite a lot too, that um, anger is one of those tests that we have to pass, you know, if you will. I think a lot of our karma probably has come about as a result of anger. Well, it is. And, no. the, and the force, uh, the fallen angels, which we call the forces, you know, are, are behind this a lot because when we are angry, we lose our light. Yeah. And, and they get it. it. And they take it. So yeah. they want us to get us angry. Right. So, you know, there's been injustice in terms of this truth being denied us, but we have it now. So there's nothing to prevent us from putting it into effect in our lives now. And if there's any retribution or karma, God will take care of that. We don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Our goal is to become love and embody that Christ, and God will take care of the rest. And as we spoke about last week, you know, it's the test of forgiveness and also le- learning to forget. Yeah, let yeah. It go. and be free. We don't want to be tied to these fallen no, angels or anybody else. We no. want to be tied to God. Yeah, right. Earlier, we mentioned about how pivotal this notion of our personal Christhood is on our path and eventual ascension. How, uh, this could be one of the most important, if not the most important steps we take on the path, right? I mean, all of the ascended masters are fully realized. They've already fully realized their Christhood. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, you know, I want to reiterate here that when a person becomes the Christ and makes their ascension, it's just the beginning. Yeah. In other words, we're yeah. not all, they're not all suddenly equal to every other great soul of light that has made their ascension throughout history. Still growing. You know, they're growing, they're ahead of us, and there'll be some behind us and so forth, but it's the beginning, and that's the exciting part about it. Yeah. Um, it it's 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 really the beginning of our, it's our birthday, because yeah. it's, it's our eternal yeah. life Just that we have achieved. Same concept. And there's a lots in cosmos for us to do, a lot of people to love, a lot of creation that hasn't occurred, and it's bringing the truth, like we're receiving it now, yeah, so yeah. that other people can achieve this and not be lost, as and we've been lost for so long. And when we get to the other side, we'll be in some sort of an auditorium, uh, kind of, we're, we're all kind of behind one another then as we go. Well, as I said, you know, it, it, people differ, the stars differ in glory. Yeah. That doesn't mean that each one of us isn't special or unique in God, and we are. And that's what I think is so important to understand, why the Christic consciousness will realize who we really are, the intention mm-hmm. of God in creating us, the uniqueness of our particular soul. And everyone is unique in God and has something to offer. But we must make the choice. We must choose to walk this path. We must choose to use the tools we've been given, and we must make it our goal if we're going to get there. Yeah. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, <laughs> I think it's safe to say that we've tackled a big subject today, and, of course, we always do. <laughs> I didn't get to ask some questions. <laughs> I know. Well, we ran out of time before we ran out of questions. That's right. Um, you know, uh, I, we know we've scratched the surface. That's right. Um, is there anything you'd like to add before we sign off today, Sidney? No, I think that's pretty much it. It's just to people to think about it. And not just miss it out of hand simply because it's something that's been taught for yeah. so very long. Explore. That's all we're asking you to do. Right. Go to our website. Look around there. Read something. See if it has value and meaning for you. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Sid, for your contributions today. As always, you always bring your A-game. Um, anybody want to send questions or comments, please do so. Webradio at TSL.org. And we always respect your privacy, keeping all comments and questions that we received in the strictest confidence. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you'll do it again. And until then, remember, though the upper path may be difficult, the rewards are out out of this this world. world. Thanks, everybody.
Thank you again for joining us this week for The Open Door. This program is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website at www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week. Thank you.